This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Today on CityCast Chicago, a new contract with ComEd will have to wait. The fight for universal pre-K continues and the future of the Little Village Discount Mall remains in limbo. Northwestern's director of audio journalism, Ariane Nettles, and Chicago-based writer Heidi Stevens are in the building to break these stories down and more. It's Friday, February 3rd. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is What Chicago's Talking About. Good morning, Heidi. Good morning, Ariane. Welcome to CityCast. Hi, thanks for having us. Good morning. Thanks so much for inviting me. I want to get us started with a little CityCast small talk. Uh, And this week, a huge story dominated Chicago, and that is, boom, 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 the return of the queen. Beyonce announced her tour date to kick off Black History Month. Uh, and, and basically make everybody angry that the day they had to pay their rent, they also had to put together their Beyonce action plan. She's going to be at Soldier Field July 22nd. I'm not going to ask if either of y'all are going to spend the necessary <laughs> money to go. I had a friend tell me this week that $1,500 was reasonable for them to show up at Soldier Field. I'm not even going to ask y'all about Beyonce tickets. But I want to know, what is your favorite concert that you have attended uh, in the city of Chicago. Uh, Ariana, I'm going to start with you. What's one of your favorite concert memories? So I was going to say a Beyonce concert, but I, I'm going to switch it up. I'm going to switch it up. <laughs> I'm going to change that because actually, if I really think about what was most memorable, it would be my first concert. Mm-hmm. And that would be the Rough Riders Cash Money Concert. It was like 1999. Come on, for the 99 nine and the 2000s. You know, I want to say we were like out in like Tinley Park or something. We were at like the Tweeter Center. Um, okay. I remember because nobody's parents wanted to take us. So we had to do a <laughs> lot of convincing and say, please, please take us out, please. And DMX, you know how he would always like say his prayer and like throw up the mm-hmm. X sign. So we were all, I was in there crying like, oh, this is so moving. Um, Cash Money had like a helicopter. They came down. And so it was very like grandiose for a rap concert. And so for that to be my first one, I just remember the next day we wore our concert shirts to high school because we just needed everybody to know. You know, like, yeah, was you, were you there last night? Hey, I can never forgive the universe. And this era versus the fact that we're not going to be able to get a true Rough Riders Cash Money 20-year anniversary tour out of this uh, uh, is very unfortunate, but man, very nostalgic. Juvenile, DMX, and you probably have to pay nowhere near the amount of money I know you finna fork out, because Ari, I know you got a Beyonce savings account. You was prepared for this <laughs> uh, in the ways other people were not. Heidi, when you think about a memorable or a favorite concert experience of yours, what comes to mind? Um, so my answers are going to be so much less cool, um, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and put it out there that I think $1,500 is totally fair for Beyonce tickets. And like, this is some people's Super Bowl, right? Like that wouldn't be unreasonable to 
to watch your favorite team play in the Super Bowl. Some stuff you just got to see live. So you're making um, some good points. Yeah, I'm going with go ahead and spend that 1500 if you have it. I don't happen to, but that's <laughs> awesome if you do. Um, I'm going to go with so my first concert, nowhere near as cool as yours, Ari's. Mine was Duran Duran at Poplar <sighs> Creek, which is not there anymore. Um, pretty cool, but not that cool. No helicopters. Um, but my favorite Chicago concert experience, also at Soldier Field, um, was Coldplay. Mm. Uh, yeah, Coldplay Live is kind of life-changing. I'm not going to lie. I've seen them twice at Soldier Field, and they are awesome live. Them some good picks. Coldplay, DMX, maybe never on the same bill, but, you know, both <laughs> both special places in the heart. Um, when I think about my favorite concert experience, it was also my very first concert. Uh, and it was in uh, 2008. It was the Heart of the City Tour, Jay-Z, Mary J. Blige, two-day concert. Oh, come on, we was there together at the United Center. That, to this day, is still one of my favorite concerts, not only because Jay-Z and Mary J. Blige went back 20 years in their relationship, so they was playing some real some real good throwbacks like Can I Live? But every time Mary J. Blige finishes a song, it feels like the end of her set. And so I had never been to a concert, so I was just like, man, damn, she done already? Because that felt like a finale. And then she did 20 more finale songs. Wow. I, I never seen somebody sing their heart out that hard for every single song. And I didn't see Beyonce perform live at the Superdome in New Orleans. And still, I was like, hardest work I ever seen on stage, Beyonce. Hardest singer I ever seen on stage, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. queen of hip hop and soul, Mary J. Blige. Wow. Without a doubt. I can believe it. Now we are going to jump into looking back on some stories from across Chicago. Uh, Ari, I want to start with you. We had a city council meeting this week, which, you know, over the last four years, city council meetings being a little contentious is something we read about almost every week or every month. Exactly. But this one, as we get closer and closer to municipal election day, you know, every every single meeting carries just a little bit more weight. Uh, this week, a utility contract was up on the table with uh, the giant comet. What happened at city council this week? So, as always, it is complicated, right? It's not a simple story, but we're going to keep it simple because I think that this is just really huge because we all get these comet bills Every month, you know, and so we want to know what's going on with that. And so the gist of it is that Mayor Lori Lightfoot really wants this new 15-year kind of franchise agreement with ComEd to kind of be just pushed through. She says this is a good deal. Um, She sees it as innovative um, because it does include stuff like helping low-income residents um, weatherize their homes so you use less energy, some like solar energy projects, more electric vehicle charging stations, and like more... Job training. Yeah, job training, more stations for electric bikes, all that kind of stuff. However, y'all know this is Chicago politics, and it is never that simple. So, of course, some alders are like, listen, we need some independent advisors to review this plan and really prepare a report on it, which I think makes sense. Makes sense for a contract. We're talking in the hundreds of millions of dollars. Yes, for 15 15 years. years. This is a really big contract, right? You know, we also just... 
anecdotally, for example, how we always talk about the parking contract and how we always say, well, who approved this parking contract? It's so stupid, right? So, um, you know, a little extra preparedness, even if this is a good contract, which, of course, I don't know. But even if it is, best case scenario, some extra independent um, reviewers would then show that it's a good contract. But also, there's more. Um, And so what is likely going on, if a lot of people remember, there's an upcoming trial of Comet's former execs. And this was a part of really this huge, massive bribery scandal that is connected to former House Speaker Michael Madigan. And so Lightfoot says, oh, you know, nothing from that trial is going to affect this plan. Um, But, you know, reasonably, people are like, we don't know that. What if there is some other shady stuff going on that is going to come from it? And so this is something that we just really need to watch because, as we know, Comet is our electric provider. It affects literally all of us. And so it's really important that we just keep an eye on this and see what is going to happen. To add a little bit more political context, as, as we were saying, the next city council meeting is scheduled for March, already after an election. There's a mm-hmm. chance Lightfoot will be in a runoff or no longer even be in contention for mayor of Chicago. Mm-hmm. And so from Mayor Lightfoot's side, she's trying to add another check mark to her tally to be able to tell the people of Chicago, I just secured a 15-year contract with our utility giant that is going to bring all of these new economic and climate change initiatives uh, to the table. And that a lot of that cost is going to go to ComEd stakeholders. But like you said, between the bribery scandal and between older people wanting to maybe control some of the leverage to put that pressure on the mayor to say, hey, you're not going to be able to push this through with the chance that you may not even be here uh, for the next meeting. What what Magic Johnson say? I'm not even going to be here. I'm not even going to be here. Heidi, I want to hear about your top story today. In his inauguration speech, uh, Governor Pritzker said that it is one of his goals to bring universal pre-K to the state of Illinois. Uh, But that is going to require a huge price tag. Were there any updates this week? So there was a good update this week. It's not going to nearly cover the huge price tag. I think, you know, experts are putting that at somewhere around like $500 million. Um, The Illinois State Board of Education did announce just uh, this week, Wednesday, that they received a $4 million grant from the federal government um, to support early child care and education in Illinois, which is um, a step in the right direction. And I don't know if it's going far enough, but I'm glad this conversation is happening. Those first five years of um, brain development are so critical. Um, and it, you know, really sets kids up for a lifetime trajectory of of learning and thriving or or not. And so I think any any kind of investment in those early years is a good one. Um, the four million is a start. I'm hoping once we see Pritzker's full budget, which you know he hasn't released yet, I'm hoping that it does honor this this commitment he's made to getting, you know, free preschool for every kid in Illinois who wants it. And and obviously that's that's an Illinois story more than a Chicago story, but you know, Chicago schools is the largest district in Illinois. So that would impact a whole bunch of kids. Right now, um, you know, CPS promised in, in 2018 and has mostly come through on that promise to provide um, free full day pre-K for all four-year-olds. But I think the assumption here with Pritzker's plan is that that would also then cover three-year-olds, which there are kind of limited like half-day seats for right now. So 
it could be huge. It could really um, make a huge impact on on Chicago families' budgets and on Chicago children's um, brain development. Yeah. I mean, you say this is a larger Illinois story. It's important to note, CPS gets about 37% of all of Illinois' early childhood education block grant money. Uh, And there are about 12,000 four-year-olds in preschool in CPS and about 4,000 in that three-year-olds in that sort of halftime program. And and so this is is, uh, really crucial. I want to hear from both of you, you know, as somebody who does not have a child, you know, how not just important, but how difficult is it? What is the pressure like to start looking at preschools for three and four-year-olds? You want to go, Ari? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess I would say that, like, it's actually, you know, I do feel lucky to be in a place like Chicago where we have options and knowing compared to friends who might live in other places in Illinois, like the suburbs and being in smaller districts where they do not have preschool options and they must do daycare. I think, you know, it it feels good at least to know, okay, I got a neighborhood school that my baby can go to. And so I felt really comforted by that fact. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, my kids were also in CPS preschool. Um, They're um, both teenagers now. So we predated that 2018 deal. And Preschool, um, even in CPS, is pretty expensive. <laughs> um, you know, if you're talking full day, um, five day a week, you know, it's like going to a, a childcare center, cost wise. But you know, we don't, we haven't done enough, I don't think, to educate parents and caretakers or policymakers on how important those first five years are for brain development. And so um, we've sort of settled for this kind of patchwork quilt of options for. everything before kindergarten. We sort of assume, well, learning begins when they start kindergarten, but learning begins the day they're born. And I was just going to add just anecdotally, just because we keep seeing people publish these nationwide stories about birth rates being down. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest reasons why I hear people saying, okay, I'm just really scared to have a child is childcare costs Mm -hmm. because you're always worried. And even with a half day program, like that's still like who's go, who's gonna pick them up in the middle of the day right so it's exactly. you have all of these things where it just makes it really hard and if you have parents who are trying to be upwardly mobile and like you know get new jobs and trying to take care of themselves and do new things like that's just really hard and so I hear a lot of people saying oh no 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 like that's really one of the reasons and It is, you know, like Heidi said, we don't do a good job of talking about whatever resources are available. And it's just such a big, scary thing. Um, You know, having a kid is scary enough. Like we could at least figure out some of those resources and make sure that people know that they are available for people. Every single week, we want to make sure we're shining some light on stories that might not get the same amount of attention, you know, with our attention span being what it is. Uh, And so, Ari, I want to start with you. What is a story that definitely needs more attention this week? Got it. Got it. So I read in Black Club that um, Chicago is adding an actual, like, opioid response team that can help people as an alternative to, like, calling 911 and police showing up. And... I think that this is really 
amazing because, um, you know, a couple years ago, we kind of saw the switch to kind of the care teams when people are having mental health issues. And that's like really close to my heart because I have had situations in my family where maybe someone was having issues or having a problem and we really were afraid to call 911 because we did not mm-hmm. want the police to show up. Like that was the biggest thing. We feared we're going to call the police. What if something happens and they shoot a loved one, right? Because that's not out of the ordinary and we've seen it happen time and time again. And so like we called a nonprofit, they connected us with the care team. A care team came out. The care team was amazing. And they talked to this family member and the family member happily and willingly went to the hospital and got the treatment and the rest that they needed. And so that was just such a shift. And so having these people that are trained to do this type of work is what we want and what we need. And just being able to save and help more people, I think that's just really amazing. And so when we always talk about like where can money go, like saving people, right? Like saving people before they get to the next step. You know, we're always talking about like the other issues and like lack of other facilities. Like maybe we can help people before it gets bad. Maybe we can, you know, kind of have different things in place. And so I, I think this is just really um, interesting. But this particular opioid response team did launch on Monday um, and it launched on the west side. And so Humble Park, Garfield Park area, which according yeah. to officials has the highest number of calls for uh, substance abuse related incidents. The, the city says that this team has already responded to not since Monday because it was launched on the West Side Monday, but they've already uh, done some pilot programmings in places mm-hmm. like Gage Park and Uptown and Gresham and Chatham. But they said that in total, they've responded to about 540 incidents with about 460 follow-ups uh, and zero arrests, right? And so when we, we're talking about things, you might hear now a lot of the candidates talking about treatment over trauma. And, and mm-hmm. these are the type of initiatives they're responding to. And so we have to give the city some credit in terms of uh, increasing investments in these uh, response teams, you know, partnering with the libraries to offer, uh, you know, Narcan and things that allow people who might be dealing with overdoses. Uh, but what's also cool is that this team is going to be able to expand some of the services they're able to offer. Uh, one, they're going to now be able to work with people as young as 12 versus mm-hmm. 18. My mm-hmm. sister is a first responder and a firefighter, and she tells me the number of incidents, whether it is substance abuse, whether you know it's well-being checks, so many take place with people between the ages of 12 and 18. And so I'm glad sure. we're expanding this to more young people. Um, the team will be able to you know, respond to calls that involve threats of suicide, um, people who are dealing with mental health crises. Um, And so, again, it's good to see the city putting some of their money and resources where the political rhetoric is moving, because it's beautiful to see more candidates talking about the need for alternative services. But we actually need to see the political wheel and the follow through. Uh, And so I'm glad you're shining some light on this. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, it's such a more humane approach. Heidi, I want to kick it over to you. We have been talking about La Vieta's Discount Mall for the last three years, and it was scheduled to close. Remind people the crisis that the the Discount Mall faces. Okay, perfect. Yes, the Discount Mall on 26th Street, um, huge Discount Mall was sold in 2020 to Novak Construction, February 2020. 
and was scheduled to close. The vendor's leases were supposed to end at the end of January, so this week. They weren't really given any sort of answers about what was going to go in their space. There was talk of an Aldi or, you know, sort of chain, big box chain stores replacing these vendors who um, some of them have been there for, you know, two or three decades. Um, It's such a vibrant, beautiful place that people, you know, come to for their shopping and vendors make their living and it's woven into the fabric of Little Village. And um, to think about it being replaced by, you know, just some kind of soulless big box stores is a little sad, but Adding to the sadness is the confusion and and sort of lack of transparency about what was happening. Um, This week, they received a two-week lease extension. So, I mean, that's not much, but it's something. Um, So instead of having their leases expire, um, I think it was supposed to be Monday or Tuesday of this week, they get get two more weeks. Um, I'm not seeing a ton about this story, I think it's a huge one. I think it speaks to, um, obviously, gentrification. I think it speaks to, you know, all of the ways that, you know, Chicago forces communities to, and, and people in their communities to pack up and go elsewhere, mm-hmm. um, whether that's rising property taxes or, you know, their places of employment closing up and, and changing hands. I thought that there was a really beautiful op-ed in in the Sun-Times last week about this discount mall story that talked about kind of the whitewashed language that we've been using around the Little Village discount mall and the idea that, you know, uh, a series of big box chain stores would quote unquote, add value to the neighborhood. And, you know, in a way that, you know, the assumption is that these vendors in this discount mall doesn't. Right. It, it hasn't been adding value, apparently, for the last 36 years, according to uh, these individuals. That kind of language. That's right. Yeah. We visited La Villita discount mall with Carlos Ballesteros from Injustice Watch. Mm. And not only we did, did we get to walk the neighborhood But we got to go in and we got to talk to some of the vendors, whether they were running a fish store or they were selling quince dresses. And, you know, to learn that that strip is one of the most economically viable strips in our city. In fact, one of its only comparisons is the Magnificent Mile in terms of how much money it brings in. And the fact that, again, this is a a building that has very much in many ways been self-sustaining. People put money in and bring that money literally back to the community. So much of it stays in the community. You talk about uh, people using the discount mall for so many different things, whether it's car speakers or setting up for parties or, you know, getting all your supplies so you can be in a car caravan when it's time Mm -hmm. to celebrate Mexican independence. Day. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, like you said, the the very much sort of the, the racist language around, you know, what does the future of Little Village look like and that it needs to uh, almost come out of the past. I think the guy who sold the building said something like, you know, people don't shop like this anymore. Right. And, and that's just, that's, who says? Not, that's not the case. <laughs> right. 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 Who, who right. says that? Who and says? according to who? Right. Alderman Byron Sicho Lopez says they have this planned meeting on the 16th to meet with residents, to meet with vendors, to meet with the developers. And yet all that feels like is another meeting, right? But it it doesn't actually feel like it brings the the confidence to the neighborhood that this staple is going to remain. And I, I can't help but feel like we're living in sort of a waiting out period of like eventually the interest in this will dry up. 
people will turn their hands to the side, find a different story, and know that construction will move forward business as usual. I would hate for that to be the result. But over the last three years, it feels like that's the process we're in. That we're just being waited out by a developer who already had $18 million to buy it and clearly has the time to wait. Over the next two weeks, if you have any interest, find out as much as you can about this meeting. Find out the resources that you could reach out to to advocate. But also, if you've got time, stop by 26th Street. Go in uh, and visit with those vendors. Spend some of your money in the community. Uh, Like every episode of City Cash Chicago, we got to leave you with a... Some good news to get you through your day, to get you through the next two minutes of this episode, to get you through the weekend. Uh, We want to make sure we leave you with some positive stories, some moments of joy uh, to carry you through. Uh, And I want to start with you, Ari. What is your some good news? Go ahead and sing it if you want to. I know. I was going to say, you was home. It today, I, I was gonna say, was this, I'm feeling you, better. I'm feeling better. Choir practice, like you just, <laughs> you was, you know, you did the whole some good news, you know, when the, when the choir director keeps uh, shaking see, the right, hand, hold it. up. Hey, you know, my choir director, close. Mr. Carter, God rest his soul, he was oh, beautiful man and close, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> mine is that I actually tomorrow, Saturday. I'm going with a group of grad students and my colleagues at Northwestern's Medill School to South Africa. We're going to be there for a week. Um, our students are doing um, reporting projects. And really, the whole week, we call it Medill Explorers. And so different groups of students are going all over. Some places, some some are going to other places in the U.S. Like some are going to cover the Super Bowl. And then some are, you know, going out of the country like we are. And so just people are going all over the place. It's a quick week, right? Um, so you're in and you're out. But I'm really excited for them. I love South Africa. My aunt lived there for many, many years. Um, mm-hmm. She is like a former South, South Sheen exec. So she used to go over there do hair stuff and then she loved it so much and she was like I just gotta stay here forever so you know how Chicago people do we like yeah I'll just stay I'll just stay that'll work here too where are y'all going in South Africa and you gotta tell me what's an experience that you're excited to to relive or to have again Yes, yes, yes. So we're going to Johannesburg. Um, I am not actually probably going to do as many of the fun touristy things. I'll be working and visiting some newsrooms while they are doing their fun touristy things. But I'm really excited for them to go to the Apartheid Museum. We will be sending more students in the spring, like our undergrads, and they will be doing like a visit to Cape Town. And so they'll actually get to do some different things. So one thing, Mm -hmm. for example, if you do ever like, you know, have a little bit of time, go to Johannesburg and do like city stuff. Then also, you know, if you want to go to Cape Town, make sure you take like a ferry over to Robbins Island. And that's where the prison is, where, you know, Nelson Mandela and other political prisoners were held. You'll see his, you know, cell and just the tours are given by people who actually were held as prisoners there. And so it's just a really, really kind of transformational time. I know the first time I went was, um, it was a little bit right after Michael Brown. So like the fact that I like went to Robbins Island right after there, Mm -hmm. and you know, it was just the whole like hands up, don't shoot feel. Like we were just, you know, it was Trayvon Martin, Michael Brown. Like we were in that 
feeling. So it was just really, really kind of emotional. But, you know, in Johannesburg, there is, if you're a party person, there's a lot of parties. It's a, it's a great nightlife, you know. So there's there's a lot of fun stuff to do. So I will be working, but I am hoping that my students get to work hard and also play hard. That's such a powerful trip for students. And I can only imagine how cool of a professor you would be to travel with. You already totally. cool enough to... I just remember going to... Pullman with you is sitting at the National Mile for, for, for a moment. We had a good time. Yeah. I couldn't imagine being in Johannesburg with you. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I know uh, your students and all your, your travel partners are lucky, uh, not only for the experience, but the the opportunity to do it with you. Uh, Aww, so thank you for thank sharing you for a little me. bit of your news with, with us. Uh, Heidi, what is your some good news besides your first time on CityCast? You, yeah! <laughs> 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 Nothing can top that, but coming close yes. is uh, Sh- Chicago High School basketball right now is so much fun. Mm-hmm. My son is at Kenwood, and Kenwood's killing it right now. Um, 20 and 5, yeah. the men's basketball team. Red South Central Conference champs for the first time in school history, beat Simeon for the first time in school history. Wow. Day Day Ames, the senior who committed to Kansas State, is just phenomenal. Bowling. I think he's a top five player in the state, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so a super fun thing is that my, my son's at Kenwood, my daughter's at Lane. Um, Lane beat Diet this week. Uh, so they are playing Kenwood uh, Friday night. We will be there. I'm going to be, um, this is going to be my um, Mrs. Kelsey impression. Uh, rooting for both teams. <laughs> for people who don't <laughs> know, Mrs. <laughs> Mrs. Kelsey is the mother of Jason Kelsey, the center for the Philadelphia Eagles, and Travis Kelsey, the tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs, who are planning the Super Bowl. So Heidi is is doing her best, Mrs. Kelsey, uh, at this game. About the same amount of skin in the game. Oh man, you got to get like a jersey where it's like right. What <laughs> those split jerseys? Yes, you have to split it down the middle. So you're totally. like, hey, 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 I'm even. I'm half and half. <laughs> right. Have and have. Um, I'm going to go, you know, full disclosure, I don't have a child on either team. So <laughs> I'm not quite <laughs> Mrs. Kelsey. Okay. Um, but my daughter cheers for Lane. So that's okay. close. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I'll be happy with uh, whoever wins, uh, even though I think we all know it's going to be Kenwood. Oh, come on. Lane Tech is <laughs> nine, and, 9 and 12. And in their yeah. last game, Kenwood beat Corliss 112 to 33. 33. Yeah. 112. To, well, like, what type of statement are you trying to send at this point? And I imagine they probably didn't even lead the starters in the whole game. That's probably the, the bench was was mopping them up. They almost that? blew these fools out by a hundred points. Or I know I just called a bunch of high school kids fools, so I'm gonna take that back. <laughs> they beat these young men, and so the nine and twelve Lane Tech uh, team is they gonna have a, a huge obstacle. But uh, Heidi, I hope you are able to enjoy it. Oh, you know, regardless. Yes. My some good news. Woo! For this week is tomorrow at the Bulls Trailblazers game. I'm following Benny the Bull around all game. Yes. I'm interviewing young Benny the Bull. And when I say interviewing, I'm going to stand very close with the mic. I do not think Benny talks. But his lovely assistant, Maddie, uh, is going to be there to show us what goes into the world of being Benny the Bull, the number one mascot in all of professional sports. Uh, And so CityCast is going to get the opportunity to shadow Benny at practice. We're going to come out the tunnel. We're going to watch Benny go for the half course shot, pour popcorn on people. I'm going to get a little popcorn doused on me. Um, 
So if you at the Trailblazers game and you see somebody creepily stalking Benny, that is me. They go like, who is that guy? Yeah, I'm boy. so excited for you. I'm such a big fan of him. Like, I follow him on Instagram. Same. I don't think I follow any Bulls players on Instagram, but I do follow <laughs> Just Benny. Bull. Um and I do follow the team account, but I don't follow any individual players besides Benny. Not even DeMar? No, just Benny. I mean, he shows wow. me what I need to know. I need to be, tell him. Can you give? Can you ask him? For, can I get his autograph? I, I will do my best to try and get you an autograph. Uh, I loved all of the stories y'all brought today. It's been fantastic to sit down with two of the best journalists in Chicago. Uh, the University of Chicago is grateful to have Heidi Stevens on staff, oh, oh, and Northwestern yes. is so. So damn grateful to have Ariane Nettles. Thank y'all both for joining CityCast Chicago. We appreciate y'all making time for us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Before I let you go, I got to give a huge thank you to the people who make CityCast Chicago. That's lead producer Carrie Shepard, producer Samoa Alisea, our newsletter writer Sydney Madden, all the amazing folks back at headquarters, the people who make the music we love, all the kimonos, Mark Greenberg of the Mayfair Workshop, and the homie Sam Thousand. Please, please, please vote CityCast Chicago as the best newsletter and the best podcast as part of the Chicago Reader's Best of 2022 list. Come back on Monday where we're going to be talking about all things medical marijuana including how to grow it at the crib we'll talk to you then peace so if you want to sing this morning you got about 30 minutes to prepare yourself in the meantime I, in between i don't time. think your listeners want me to sing no nah, they hear me sing every it's day not, heidi and it ain't good it's not whether i want to it's whether that's good for chicago and i don't think it is